Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 205. That's 205 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, and I am Don. Hey, what's up, Ron and Don Nation? Happy we are, New Year. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios, and thanks to Les Schwab this year. Yeah, Les Schwab has signed on to be our 2021 title sponsor, yes. so uh, go into the store, tell them Ron and Don sent you, like it really does help. When you do that, and I know uh, I got a great response on my Facebook of people that they really do run out and, and greet you. They really do uh, a lot of times give you just a free repair on your tire if you, yeah. you get a flat. Like all that stuff has happened. You know, I've both had that happen when they didn't know who we were. Yeah. Uh, when we needed a, a flat repair and we're willing to pay for it, and they just gave it to us not knowing that we even endorsed them. And neither of us like said, "Do you know that we endorsed them?" Like we didn't do any of that, and they both just, they fixed our stuff. Four weeks ago, I stopped at the one on Bell Red road i just went in there and i had a double flat and they just fixed it they sent me on on my way and they said merry merry christmas so how about that uh super nice man coming up on the Ron and don show we're excited about this and we tease this in episode 204 we didn't get to it uh because we were talking about kind of the holidays one of us had a covid test uh also one of us our home was flooded which is kind of a hot button for us because well one of our homes was flooded when we lived in New Orleans 15 years ago. We're going to get to that also. It's weird. We told you in episode 204 that Ron had bought a calendar for me. I bought a calendar for him. And it's one of the reasons why we didn't get to this story. I bought a book for you. Oh, good. You just started telling me about a book that you're 100 pages in. I said, don't tell me. So this is really weird. No, I'm the- 300 pages in. I only got 100 pages to go. All right. Well, this book, I, I, um, I'm, not giving you a, I, I'm not giving you a used book. This is your own copy that I ordered. Okay. I think it's going to be the great, because of, because of your profession, uh, I think it'll be the greatest book you ever read. Hmm. All right. I, I can't wait. I, I, I stay up day and night and read this. Art book. of the deal. Did you want me art of the deal? <laughs> yeah. Also, I read something, uh, this time of year, people start struggling with themselves and, uh, you and I were talking about fitness goals and resolutions and decisions and all that other stuff. I wrote something and I just want to encourage you and we'll talk about that before we get out of here. So. How did the COVID test go? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like to explain that, we should probably talk about the, the flood first because I'm realizing these things are all tied together. So, uh, the, the, a few days before Christmas, um, I was actually, we were over here, um, about to record something. We were going to do like a, a, a musical thing that we were going to record. And I get a text from my neighbor. It's like, Hey, there's water coming up into into our building. You should probably come home. And so I was like, that doesn't sound good. And it was really, really raining. I know it's been raining a lot uh, as of late, but this was a day that was really coming down. Uh, and so I jumped in my, my rig. I drove back to, to my condo that overlooks Lake Union. I love, I love this condo. And I love the view. It's the central location. Like I had just done a remodel a couple of years ago. And so I get in there and it is, it is insane. What was, was happening. 
in fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if um, I can get a video. I took a video of what was going on. Uh, water was coming out of my toilet in like a geyser type of situation. And I've shown this video to several people and the general reaction is, Oh my God, like what is happening? Like it is, it's apocalyptic horror movie kind of like, like Hollywood invented this scene. Uh, it, it looks unreal. And I, I also, I, I, so I have like a 13, 14 second video. I'll figure out a way to put that in our newsletter. So if you're not on our newsletter, go to Ron and and subscribe. I'll put it in there. It's, you think you believe and go, yeah, yeah. Like I've, I've seen people's houses flood. When you see this video, you're like, no effing way. Mm. I don't know if, it, did you have that reaction when you saw the video as well? Well, I mean, I, it's, I, it's pretty I, insane. My, this is my concern. And I'll be honest. Ron had a home and, and we've talked about this before. And then we, 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 we try to make light of it. Cause maybe we, we talk, I think we got to a point where we just felt like we talked about it too much. Uh, but for those that don't know, we lived in new Orleans during Katrina and my house didn't flood. It's just the roof caved in, uh, which is a whole different thing. And then, and then people broke into it, but I had already taken my valuables, put them in my truck and I drove them all the way to Michigan. Uh, but they still took a bike and, and they tried to steal washer and dryer and some other stuff. It was ridiculous. There was something called the sliver by the river by the Mississippi that didn't flood. And I lived on the sliver. You had a home in Gentilly. Uh, and I was the first one to go to your home in Gentilly. Your neighbor's boat was actually tied to your fence up front because everybody's hundreds of boats are driving around the city. And then uh, you also had a home that we went to together that was on stilts, I think, six miles in. No, you went there with Mike. I went there like four weeks later. Is that right? Yeah. Our, my friend Mike Rosenblatt, who I rode the storm out with. So anyway, my concern for you was that, that that took an emotional toll on both of us, but more on you than it did me because I still had my letter jacket. I still had my Davidson bikes hand-built in Seattle that I rode across America on. Uh, I still had lots of pictures, and I still had personal mementos, and, and you lost all that stuff. And, and I thought this might be a trigger for you. That, that I was very, very concerned about that. And you know what I appreciated, though, is you never asked for help. And you said, I need your help right now. And so uh, Gunnar and I came over there, and, uh, and, and we helped. And your friend Charles and Becky, yeah. and you were there in your waiters. You had your boots on. You were on the phone. You were cool, calm, and collected, but you also seemed to be in shock to me. Like, like I thought you were in shock. I, I would estimate about... And I don't tell me if this is hyperbolic to you, but I was sort of trying to do the math. You know, I have my, I don't have a live in a huge place. It's maybe a thousand, 1100 square feet. My neighbor's about the same. So let, let's just say, uh, I would guesstimate between four to 6,000 gallons of water went in there. Oh, I'd say 10,000, 10 to 15. Okay. 000. I wasn't, yeah, let's say between five and 10,000 gallons of water. Yeah. Uh, it came out of this pipe and we're, we're in the place. And so, uh, and yeah, so I, for whatever reason, when something traumatic is happening, I get very calm. I make very good decisions. Uh, I jump in and take charge. I, I kind of know what to do. Like I'm that guy. And so, um, yeah, it did trigger me and it was very upsetting and I'm still dealing with that right now and it's still very upsetting. Mm. And so, um, yeah. And it was like, are, are you serious? Like, I think most people go through their life where they never go through a flood 
And so it's like, really, this is the third house I've lived in that's been totally flooded. And the other ones were more severe. Uh, you know, the one in, in New Orleans was about, you know, standing water of, of five feet and like everything was gone. Uh, the house I had in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, which is a little beach town. It's kind of like Tacoma is to Seattle. Bay St. Louis is to New Orleans. And so that house had 19 feet of water uh, and everything was, was taken out. So I'd gone through those things and uh, for obvious reasons that was traumatic. And so this, this did trigger me. And so it was sort of like, I was kind of processing it and it was like, well, it's not as bad as that was, uh, yet it's still pretty bad. And I was able to go in and like take possessions and kind of stack them up to where, you know, trying to save things. You saved the green pumas. Cause if, if you did, I would like those. The green pumas, I believe, are, are saved. I, that's the first thing I grabbed out of your closet and I put them up high. And I said, you know, if Upshaw doesn't want these or if he's in complete shock and he's not looking, I'm going to start swiping some of his shoes. Because you said you were over your shoe problem. You're not over your shoe problem, pal. There's some fine, fine shoes in that closet. That, and I, I wanted about half of them. And that, I think we wear the same size. That's thrown away about 40 pairs of shoes, wow. the ones that are left. So, right. um, yeah. So, anyway... That uh, the thing that I realized now looking back is everybody's always said my whole life is like, wow, when that thing was going down, you handle it so well. Yeah. And, and I was like, I, I sort of had internalized that. That's what our friend and, Becky said, I think. And right? so what I didn't realize until I, the, the piece is all, because you don't get a lot of reps on this. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, you, you, have, you have more than most. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, you don't have, you know, this isn't something you go through five times a year. You didn't tell people either. Your car, when I found it, it was upside down and it floated away, I think, six miles when you, when you lived in Mississippi. So you, you yeah. just didn't lose homes. You lost cars, personal stuff, all that. I just knew... I knew it was going to be, I just knew it was going to be a trick. Yeah. The new Orleans thing, I lost everything, but my laptop, a couple changes of clothes and the animals like that. Literally that's all I have. They're I your horse e trailer, yeah. Every single possession. So this time it's comparatively not as bad at all. Um, and so what I realized though, now looking back is about four or five days later, my body just shuts down. And so it happened at Katrina. It happened uh, when we got fired. Uh, it happened when my I was at my birth mother when she did a euthanasia ceremony mm. Um, mm. about four or five days. Later. My body, like I'm, I'm great there. No. Um, and then four or five days later, my body just. <clears throat> and so this time it happened. Then I went to visit my, my brother um, in New Mexico for Christmas. And, uh, you know, about two days into that trip, I was like, man, I'm just not feeling great. And my brother's like, you know, was, he was fantastic. He's like, Hey man, well, I'm going to make food. He goes, you just chill out. If you need to sleep, if you need to uh, you just relax, whatever you want to do. He's like, no pressure. And so it was great. So I was just sort of out of it. And then as I come back here, just was feeling, had like flu like symptoms and it pretty badly, you know, was kind of, and so, I was like, oh crap, you know, I, 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 I was like, I, I'm not going over to Don's, um, not knowing if I had COVID. I was like, I don't think I have COVID because I can still smell, but I was like, I don't think that's a hundred, like that can't be the determining factor of whether or not I can smell peppermint soap mm. when I wash my hands. So I went down to King County and shout out to these people 
that work the King County drive-through COVID testing. Um, I booked it online. Yeah, how was it? Uh, it was the one in 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 south uh, south of the city. I think it was at a at a a place where they used to do like emissions testing. They or are, something. yeah. They've taken the emissions tests and some of the old truck scales. Uh, yeah, and, that State Patrol used. And so I yeah. booked an appointment online. Um, I drove down there wearing the mask, the gloves, the whole nine. The, these folks are tremendous. Hmm. Like, obviously, if people, all the folks that are in line to get this, I think they said the positive test rate is like 35% or something. So they're literally in harm's way. And so they are wearing, the, you drive up, the person confirms your appointment time, puts a little uh, post-it note on your uh, outside of your mirror. How can you even, uh, and honestly, because I have a trouble when I go to the grocery store and my hearing isn't great for all the years of, of, of my headphones being too loud. Uh, and if I didn't, weird things would happen in my, with my equilibrium if my headphones weren't loud enough. So it's blown my ears out quite a bit. So I'm standing at a Ken's Market and, and now they have the partition and then I have a mask on, they have a mask on and they're asking you simple questions like, do you need a bag? So what I try to do now is think what all the questions are going to be. And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be able to hear you on the other side of the plexiglass. I don't need a bag. I don't want a receipt. And nobody needs to carry anything out. Have a nice day. And I just try to. And then they still, because they're just you. Um, that's how it sounds to me. They're asking me the same questions. If you And I just, I just went over the bag and the receipt and the have a nice day. And I told you I couldn't hear. So it prolongs it. What is it like? When you're rolling through, and are they in hazmat suits? And how can you understand each other? It's not a full hazmat suit, but they have a, a mask on, gloves on. They have the face shield on. Mm. And I made it a point for each person along the chain to say, thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you for, for working in this line. And they were could not have been nicer mm. and friendlier and very upbeat, it seemed. I was any like, cute this girls, is surprising. Any phone numbers? Did you get a date? No. Seen uh, anyone now? Uh, and I had my mask on, so I, the first oh. person checks you in, just verifies your name, your all your information that you already registered online. Uh, and then the next person, you know, you shut your engine off each time hmm. as you're moving forward because these people are breathing in exhaust all day. Wow. I mean, wh whatever they're getting paid, like double their salary. They're in the rain, Breathing in exhaust, dealing with at least thirty-five percent of these people. Because the state of Washington COVID. can afford that right now. They, I don't. They should. It should. <laughs> would it divert some money to pay these people more? Yeah. Uh, and so then you go through, and it is surprisingly uncomfortable. Is it? Uh, not. A, it's it's weird because it goes they, way. They take you, a do you swab. Feel, you feel like it's up in your brain. I and they put that swab as far as it will go up your nasal nasal cavity on each side. Uh, and then they give you this little QR code and then you get your results back. So I was checking that every five minutes because, you know, I'm, I'm OCD like that and got it back as negative. That's why I'm even here recording. Uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. But the takeaway is, um, yeah, this has been it's been very traumatic. It's about as 2020 away that I could have ended my year. And I've got there's a long road ahead of me to getting my life back in order. Currently at my my place, they're ripping out the floors. You got to rip out the because it was gray water. You got to rip out the bottom two feet of drywall through the entire place. Like I said, I had just done a very expensive remodel. All the floors got to get ripped out. Mm. The drywall has to get ripped out. They've moved all the appliances out. 
Um, so, and I still, we, as an HOA have to figure out why this happened, mm. uh, because water is not supposed to be geysering out of the toilets in the lower floor. It wasn't just yours. I, I noticed in the floor drain, it happened in your, in the, in laundry, the laundry room, room and, then, and then in your, my uh, friend, Matt's place, yeah, Matt's uh, place. same thing. How, so, how is Matt doing? Matt, Matt is, uh, he took it very well. I, yeah. I, you, you both took it well and I would have been pissed and you both, you both, you both were just, you you just both had your heads down and you're, we're, you're we're doing trying what you to support to each other. Like I don't know how we're doing. We're, we're kind of trying to divvy up the responsibilities okay. here because both of us are on the HOA board. It's a small building, yeah. Uh, and so we're kind of like just soldiering on. There's only two units and there's only two people on the board. So <laughs> no. it's, you, it's you and well, there's there's eight units and we have three <laughs> people on the board. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, yeah. It's it was it's been a very rough week. Uh, you can probably hear my voice is a little raspy. Yeah. I've been under the weather, and but thankfully, you know, knock on for Micah or whatever I'm knocking on, uh, you know, don't have COVID, so that's good. That is good. Um, I'm starting to feel a bit better, so that's good. Mm. Um, I know we'll figure it out. If anyone listens to the Ron and Don show that is at the city uh, or has an access to someone at the public utilities department, like I've put my call in, I'm on some sort of list. Mm. I don't know how to get a hold of people. I don't know if this problem is with the, on the city side of the sewer main, if it's on our side of the sewer main. Um, I can't move back in there until we fix the interface with the sewage no. stormwater. Um, and so I, I hope this could take months where I, where I could basically be for all intents and purposes homeless. Yeah. One of the problems that, that is in your area where you live is you have a lot of people. I shouldn't say a lot, but some, and this is all around the city of Seattle. Number one, we, we, we have a lot of the main lines, especially where I live here on Queen Anne, have disintegrated. They're absolutely disintegrated. And then and a lot of the lines going out to the main line, we have lots of tree roots. And we know that from just being in real estate, all the tree roots and all the rats. It's incredible. You, you, you have people that have tapped in illegally. And I'm talking they tapped in back in 1930 when they, when they, when they tapped in. So you could look at a side sewer card, which is supposed to tell you and I where the, line go from our, where the lines go from our house out to the street. And for instance, when I looked at my side sewer cards, uh, the, the, the side sewers weren't where they're supposed to be when I originally bought this house, uh, which I remodeled. And this thing was built in 1907. I was tied into the house next door and I was tied into their line. So it was really bizarre. Now you have all this construction, especially in your area, you have all these flat surfaces where the rain is falling. And then you're supposed to pull the rain in and contain the rain on the property instead of having that run down the street. And and, and that's one of the difficulties because there's so many areas now where there's no more soil to absorb the rain. And so many of these buildings are supposed to somehow figure out how to keep the rainwater on site, which is very, very expensive to do. And some of them aren't doing a very good job. And, and when you're in the middle of construction, a lot of that rainwater, and we've had lots of water here. It just became overwhelming. In fact, I took a picture. Uh, my, uh, my cousin got a hold of me because... His daughter is having a problem over in West Seattle. They got a flat roof. And I always tell people, careful about buying a flat roof in Seattle. And I know it seems fun, and you're going to go on that deck up there, but you're walking around on top of a flat roof. Then you have 20 people around walking on your roof. Do you know what that does to your roof over time? And their building is only a couple years old. Next thing you know, all that water has been running into their master, and they're having the exact same problem that you're having right now. Trying to get insurance involved. How are we going to pay for this? 
how are we going to mitigate this? And uh, is the city going to help? Is our insurance company going to help? And it's very, very frustrating. So there's been so much rain here while you were gone, and there's a lot of rain here still today. A lot of people are going through that. So there's a real soil issue and a rainwater issue in Seattle right now, and I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, it's not been fun. And, and reach out to me, please, Ron, at, at windermere.com if I can ever – like I, I don't ever ask for help. I need help on this one. Uh, so f- favorite book you're ever going to read. Let's talk about it on the other side of this. Uh, it's the Ron and Don show only on the Ron and Don radio network. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. (laughs) Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for, and I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without. A, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Run uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. All right, you guys, here we go. Episode number 205 of the Ron and Don Show, and we're rolling into our second segment right now. In 204, we talk about the fact that Ron went out, bought me a calendar, I bought him a calendar, and we gave each other calendars, and we didn't know that the one guy was giving each other calendars. Uh, and we talk about the emotion that's in that. If you have a moment, check out episode 204. In fact, if you hit subscribe... And then also run out and give us a five-star rating on your device and write a little review for us, you guys. It would really, really help us as we propel the Ron and Don show into the future live from the Les Schwab studios. All right. And also don't forget we're licensed brokers at Windermere. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don this year, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. I am reading a book right now, and it started off with just listening to an interview and it's a book that I wish that I wish this book would have been written before I started my broadcast career, because in this book, uh, and sometimes when I looked at the anger and the rage in this book, uh, I saw me, and this book just really, really speaks to me. And if you're a professional broadcaster. If you're a professional podcaster, uh, who knows? Maybe you're on a YouTube channel now. Uh, I have a friend of mine that's on State Patrol. Anthony is a big TikTok star now. I think he has 35,000 followers. Right, good for him. How about that? That's really cool. Uh, so anyway, I, I heard an interview of Howard Stern on NPR. 
And he was talking about a book. Oh, and it's this book right here. And the book is called Howard Stern Comes Again. <laughs> okay. You can imagine what it was like for Howard Stern to be on NPR talking about a book that's called Howard Stern Comes Again. And I thought this was just going to be another fart man book. And for people that don't know, 20, 25 years ago, when he was really rolling in radio in places like Detroit and then Washington, and then was a big star in New York, then was syndicated on terrestrial radio. Now he's been on Sirius uh, for 13 years. He's made hundreds of millions of dollars in radio. And there are so many broadcasters out there that have tried to be him, or they've tried to emulate him, or they've tried to copy him. One thing that I used to do, and I've always done, is I would listen to the way that he would interview people. Or when you and I lived in Dallas, when 9-11 happened, he was on air. And at one point, they had cut to CBS News, and they said, you know what? Howard Stern is doing a better job at describing what is happening in New York right now than CBS News is. And he had all his listeners calling in from all over New York City. And they were given play-by-play. And some of these guys were firefighters. Some of these were police officers. Some of them were in the airline industry. Some of them were down on the pile. Some of them had just lost a friend. Some of them were standing in a a firehouse. It was incredible what he was able to do. So anyway, he has written this book now. And what happened, he's written a book in 20 years. A publisher came to him and said, hey, we just need you to sign this. And they handed him this book. We need you to name the book and then just sign it because we know that you have OCD which he does severely. And he did not want to write another book. It's one of the reasons why he hasn't done another film because he is such a perfectionist that it drives him to such a dark place. And it's just a place that he doesn't want to go anymore. So he said, he said, what's the book about? And they said, we have taken your 50 best interviews and we've listened to those. We've edited those and we've placed them in a book. And all you have to do is sign your name, write the forward to the book, and then come up with a name, and we're going to take a picture, and we're going to send the book out in the world. He said, you know what? That's awesome. I would love that. And he explained this on NPR. He's talking to Terry Gross, actually, on NPR. And then he, he read the book, and his OCD kicked in. And he's just like, oh, this is a pretty good interview with Ellen DeGeneres about her talking about when she came out and why she came out. But that's not the best interview that I ever did with her. This is the best. So he started going through his own archives. And he told himself, I'm only going to do this for a month. Two years later, he is not only still doing a radio show four to five hours a day that he himself writes and runs the board, right? But he's also, he has gone back and he liked the concept of the book, but he didn't like the book itself. So he decided to go through the archives, start listening to tape. And what he does with every interview, for instance, for instance, he talks to Rosie O'Donnell in an interview, but before every interview, he writes a forward to that interview and he tells you what he was thinking, what his process was, why he hated her so much. And then you find out, because he doesn't do the hate interview with her. He comes back because many of the people that he hated on over the years, like Letterman, like Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, like Joan Rivers, when he started going to therapy 20 years ago, he invited them to come back on his show so that he could apologize and that he could he would do the interview differently. And they say, when you listen to these interviews, in fact, don't listen to the interviews. 
the best thing that you can do is read this book. Don't, don't do a book on, t- that's why I bought the book for you. Because you might as well just go listen to his radio show. When you read this book and he sits down with Jay-Z and he starts talking to Jay-Z about the anger and the rage that he felt toward his father. And then Howard starts talking about the anger and the rage that he grew up with in the neighborhood that he was in and why he had so much anger and rage and why he attacked people and why he was so mad and why he was so crazy and why he was so miserable, and at the same time, why he was so successful. I'm telling you, you you have never read a finer interview with Jay-Z. You have never read a finer interview with, in in fact, he talked to Joan Rivers five months before she died, when she walked in. And these interviews are, I I was was awake last night at 2.39 in the morning, and I'm still reading this book because I was so riveted. The thing that I relate to is the anger and the rage. And I never understood my anger and rage. And I think I do after three years of therapy. He's been in therapy now for 20 years. Jimmy Kimmel, David Letterman, Lady Gaga. uh, The one with Seinfeld. It's really beautiful. They are really great. They are really wonderful. And I think he is probably... I think he is the best interviewer besides Ed Bradley, and I've said this before, in the history of radio and television. And he did so much fart man stuff that people don't get him and respect him, and he's no longer on terrestrial radio, so you don't run into him. You have to subscribe. But I'm telling you, you're listening to a different Howard Stern today, and this book was so revealing. And as a young broadcaster... I wish I would have read this before we got into radio, I think, 26 years ago. I can't wait. You're very stoked, stoked about it. I can't wait to read it. Very, very stoked about it. So anyway, you got you, so I'm handing you your book. I appreciate that. This is your book. Yeah, it's like, this is the best Christmas ever, after Christmas. Yeah, and it's, it's an actual, it's, it's, an, it's not like, now my friend Scotty gives away used books, but he also writes something in the cover. I didn't write anything in the cover. I thought about it because you might want to run, you, you might decide you don't want to read that book. And then you can write something in the cover, and then you no, can pass. No, I'll, you can I'll be, read it. You can pass it on and give it to someone I, else. I'll so. read it. It'll be good. So um, don't listen to it on tape. Read I'm, it. I'm not. I'm going to read it. Okay. Uh, when I finish this book, that I think might be among your favorite books. Well, that's my favorite book right now. So. And so it's a book, and this is it's. There are probably tons of people listening to us right now that know this book and have read this book because it was a number one New York Times bestseller a couple of years ago. And Rachel Bell from uh, the, our old show uh, recommended this to me. Oh, good. It's called Sapi. A brief history of humankind. I'm going to buy this for you, uh, and I will I will get it to you next week, okay, or this week maybe. And this book hit me right now so powerfully. Um, let me see if I can give the the name of the author, Yuval Noah Harari. And it was Bill Gates' favorite book the year it came out. It was Barack Obama's favorite book the year it came out. And the list goes on, the accolades on this book. I've seen that on Bill Gates' list. I tried to read a couple of Bill Gates' list books before, and I was just like, oh, man. This is, especially some of the science books. I can't even comprehend or understand yeah, them. This one, I, I can't understand them. With the way you love history, yeah, um, it's going to unlock 
something in you that I think it's unlocked in me. Uh, and it's, it's such a hard book to describe. Don't describe it and don't tell me what I unlock because I want to read it. And then I want because on because on purpose, what I didn't do. There's some very, very specific stories that I want you to discover that Howard shares. And I would even tell you, don't, don't, don't listen to the Terry Gross interview now. Don't listen. Don't, I wish I wouldn't have heard because, because then I went down the rabbit hole and I listened to four or five interviews about the book before I got the book. Just read the book All right. and, and I'll do, and, and I'll do, I'll, I'll do the same with so this book. Sapiens is the type of thing to where it changes, it changes your mind in a way that you didn't even know needed changing. Hmm. That's the thing where like there, there are certain beliefs that we have and certain things that we think that, um, at least for me, this book fundamentally is like, whoa, I didn't even know that I needed to know that. And now that I do, you can never unknow that. Uh-huh. And, and it's written in a very straightforward way that's very understandable and relatable. I, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. And uh, Rachel came by my place before the flood and she was so stoked about this book. I was like, Rachel, if you, I've never seen you this excited about a book before. So I'll order it. I'll, I'll order. I did order it. And you know me most of the time, if I get a 440 page book that I don't finish it, I'm just past page 300. Oh. I got a hundred, a hundred pages or so to go. And it, it's really, it's a, it's a page turner about homo sapiens. Okay. And I think you're going to love it. Okay. That Stern book is almost 600 pages, so look out. <laughs> All right. It's a, it's a fast read, though. You'll like it. So I can't, I can't wait to read uh, your book. Uh, and don't sign it. And then that way, when I read it, if I want to be thoughtful and give it to someone else, then I can sign it. I might just get it delivered right to your house. <laughs> they do that nowadays. I do that, too. Read books, you guys. Crumpled pages. Underline stuff. Go back. Uh, I've given so many of my books away over the years. Uh, and then and then think about somebody that you could give that book to because sitting around 10,000 books you've already read, that's not exciting either. Plus, when you have to move or downsize, it's expensive. Speaking of downsizing, you want to downsize this year? Uh, reach us, ron at windermere.com. Let's talk about buying, selling, investing. And I want to be your negotiator. I want to be your chief negotiator. And I'm telling you, I've gone up against a lot of other agents this year. And some of the agents you sit at the table with and you negotiate. And then most of the agents, I just have to say this year, don't know what they're doing. So I just run them the hell over. And I would do that for you. Struggle is real. Let's talk about the struggle on the other side of this before we get iron. Today's show is made possible by your friends, Ron and Don, licensed realtors with Windermere Midtown. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, before we get out of here today, uh, this is the time of year where we all kind of look in the mirror and we think about intention and we think about resolutions. And I always tell people just from my 20 years of being in the fitness industry, don't make a resolution uh, because resolutions most of the time, and I don't want to be a bossy guy and, and, and tell you what, this is a suggestion. Most of the time resolutions don't work and then you set yourself up to really beat yourself up internally and I know that I have done that when I've set a goal and then I have fallen short of that goal. And it used to be when I, when I would tell myself, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. And I would get up in the morning and I'd take all the alcohol in my house 
and I would pour it down the drain and throw the bottles out and I would get five or six days in and then I'd hit a really stressful point. And this was typically when we were doing terrestrial radio it was mostly on a Friday and I'd feel the walls just caving in. And when I was driving home, I'd stop by my neighborhood market and I'd buy one bottle of Chardonnay and then a bottle turned into two bottles. And then that's when I knew that, Hey, I need to tell another person about this and I need to reach out and I need to get some help because I did that dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And I set myself up for failure. And you know what? When you keep a secret with yourself, most of the time, statistically, you will fail yourself when the secret's just with you. But when you tell another person, Statistically, it's very different because we don't, human beings don't like to let other people down. And not only when you tell another person, but then you give that person permission, permission to be nosy and to call you up or to text you or to check in on you on a Friday. And that's what I had a friend start doing. My friend, hey, what's going on? It's Friday. It's usually when you feel... What you told me, that pressure that you'd feel. My friend Josh Kearns would come over here on a Friday and we would sit up in my room on this balcony in this balcony where I used to drink Chardonnay and we would just kind of talk it through. We would just talk through those feelings. So now on Fridays, I don't get that call anymore. I don't feel that way on Fridays anymore. But sometimes, sometimes on other days I do. And for me, it's been very, very important that I've done a number of things. So I just want to share this with you. I put it on my Facebook page. And I hope it encourages you, okay? It says, hey, you guys, happy New Year's, everyone. When a, bit, a gift has been given, my friend Josh Kearns has taught me that that gift should be given away. And when we give that gift away and we give it away for free, that's when we find our own sense of freedom. So if you struggle tonight, like I have in the past, consider doing these six things. Number one, place the most important things in your life where you will see them each day. Include something you are super proud of. You belong there too. If you walk down the hall into my closet right now, you'll see two pictures. One picture is of my son in a fire helmet. There are four other places in this house where you will see a picture of my son in a fire helmet. If you were standing at my kitchen doing the dishes, you'll see a picture of Mr. Ron and my son. Because those people are important to me and I don't want to let those people down. Because Ron's my friend, he's my partner, and I don't want to let him down. And that 10-year-old is depending on me. I don't want to let him down. Every time I do the dishes, I see him. On day 210 of my recovery, I went and ran a full marathon in the woods. I've never run a marathon before. It took me a long time, you guys. I got lost, and I was supposed to run 26 miles, and I ran 31. I thought I was winning, and I think I came in last place because I got lost on the course. But nonetheless, I'd written on, that, on my hand my son's name. Day 210. I took a picture of it, and that's up in my closet. So I look at that. I see day 210. I see a picture of him. I see a picture of my friends and family all around my house. And it reminds me. It reminds me. It brings me back to center of those things that are important to me. And include yourself in that. Something that you've done, that you're really proud of. Maybe you have run a marathon in the woods. Take that picture and put it up there. Not something that you want to do, but something that you have done. Number two, resolutions don't always work. So just make a decision. Just make a decision and think it through. 
A resolution is a hope. There's some intention in there. A decision is different. Spend some time thinking about resolutions versus decisions. Number three, tell someone that loves you deeply about your decision. You go into my journals. On day three of my decision, I had to make an apology to a dear friend of mine in Discovery Park. We went to the park. I couldn't even run a mile. But that's ultimately where I would train over the next year to run a marathon in the woods. And now I freely go to Discovery Park and I run five or six miles when I run out there. Because I had made that decision. I had told a friend. I told Joe. I told Ron. I even told my son in a way. And at the time, he was seven. He's 10 now, going to be 11. I told it to him in a way that was appropriate for a seven-year-old to know. Number four, permit whoever that person is when you've made this decision to ask you about your decision and how you're doing with that decision and to check in with you and you check in with them. You got to check in. Checking in. Like my friend Joe calls me and says, hey, I'm just checking in. I know why he's checking in. If Josh reaches out to me and says, I'm checking in, I know why he's checking in. My therapist checks in with me. Sometimes I'll just get a note. Maybe it's on a Friday. Just checking in. How you doing? I know why she's checking in, and I've given her that permission to do that. And I check back in too, okay? Number five, this is really, really important. No matter what you're going through, do not feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel sorry. If it's alcohol, if it's sugar, if it's weight loss, if it's OCD, whatever it is, you cannot feel sorry for yourself. Because when you feel sorry for yourself and you just think of self, it's impossible for you to feel motivated in order to move forward. Understand this. Nobody's coming to save you. Nobody's coming to save you. You're going to have to save yourself. And that might involve some kind of higher power. Number six, when you fail, when you fall, when you feel like, ah, really, This is what I don't like about the AA model. You have to start over. Start over counting your days. You're at day 364, and you went out and drank, and now you're back to day one. On my road of recovery, I, have, I don't believe, you just, wherever you are, you have to get up and move. And you have to move forward. You know, I learned that on the beaches of Normandy. When those boys came off those Higgins boats, the only way forward for them, the only way forward for them was to move forward. There was no retreat. You couldn't go back and jump in a Higgins boat. You had these Wiedersohn nests. You had these German machine guns. Ron and I stood in them. It was explained to us. And then there was a beachhead. You had to get to the beachhead. And then once you got to the beachhead, then you had to move inland to the hedgerows. And once you got to hedgerows, in the hedgerows, ultimately you had to get to Paris. The only way to do that was to have the courage to move forward. So you couldn't come to the beaches of Normandy and go, you know what? We just got our heart kicked and we're going to go back and then we're going to relaunch this Higgins boat and we're going to start over again. doesn't work that way. That war went on for 77 days. And I'm telling you, 
wherever those boys, battle. What's that? The war went on for longer than oh, the battle. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the battle of Normandy went on for 77 days. So wherever you fell, you had to get up and just keep moving forward. So just keep moving forward. If you always reset and go back and beat the hell out of yourself, never works. It's never going to work, okay? It's never going to work. Anyway, any of that resonate uh, Any of that resonate with you? Absolutely. That's very well said. And, and thank you for being more and more transparent about your struggles and your journey. I think you're helping a, an awful lot of people. Uh, and yeah, I, I've made a decision just like that. And I, I don't like to come out and say resolutions and all that stuff. Um, mine is around weight. And it's just been, you know, it's been a rough a year and especially the ending kicked my ass as we talked about in the episode. And so, yeah, it's just like, okay, I know, I know how to do this. And so I'm just going to decide to do it. And today was day one for me of doing that. And I don't need to trumpet it and, and do all the the stuff. I think that a lot of that I used to do in my past because I, I, I have the skills now. And so it's just a matter of applying those. And, and yeah, I agree with you that you just, move forward yeah. and thinking, Oh, well, like in that it's, it's easy with people that have struggled with food. Like I have to go, well, if I had one French fry, I might as well eat a gallon of ice cream. It's like, no, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. You move forward. Yeah. You don't just say surrender because you made one mistake. And, and I think people would struggle with alcohol do that a lot as well. Well, I had one drink of Chardonnay, might as well drink a bottle of Jim beam. Right. It's like, no, right. You can stop at one glass of yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, well, I guess I got to drink 10 martinis now. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. That's uh, not what it means. Yeah. It means you move forward. Yeah. And I'm not picking on AA. It just wasn't the program for me. But they've saved millions, millions of people, and it's a great program. But for you, you, just, you, you, it has to be something. And I don't know if it's a therapist for you. I don't know if it's a – there's so many great groups online now, you guys, no matter what you're, what you're facing and what you're going through. Uh, there's great, great support groups now for everything. And a lot of those developed just this year uh, because of COVID, which is really cool. All right. Anyway, hey, thanks for stopping by episode number 205. Thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring us in 2021. And don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. I want to sit on the other side of the table for you. I want to be your negotiator. Give me the power to do it. I would love to do that for you. And when we sell... I'm just telling you, we're going to make some more money than the other guys are. And when we buy, we're going to come early with a great offer and we're going to mm, snag that thing in a hot market. So let's get it done in 2021. Here's my son now to say, keep your head up and your shoulders back. G-Force. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>